Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Welcome back, Foundry family. I want to thank you for your viewership and listenership. You have helped this podcast become what it is today. Without you, there is no podcast. This is the second of two highlight episodes consisting of the best moments of the first 127 episodes. We will resume our regularly scheduled programming on Monday. Enjoy. Catch you on the flip side. So I never wanted to be in a neighborhood where we're pushing people out and we're making it inaccessible in terms of rents and values. But two, as Peter Thiel would say, competition is for losers. And it sounds rigid, but we want a monopoly. So we've gone into the philosophy of becoming a market maker. And what that means is, is you go into a community that actually needs you, that has low competition or the mass market in terms of investors are circling for safer, better quality schools, et cetera. Our investment thesis and our time horizon is over decades, not over 24 months or six months or quick flips. So we recognize that not only could we enter these neighborhoods and add value, but we could create our own comps and create our own you know, base by setting a standard. Best real estate advice that I had um, received was to treat your real estate investing like a business right? Don't treat it like a hobby. If Especially I was in corporate America and had this side hustle that I was acquiring properties. I could just start buying them up and not really thinking about processes and, and systems that I was going to use in order to manage them. You can get yourself in a lot of trouble if you don't set up a good process in place to vet tenants, to bring them into your properties, to make sure that they're paying their rents. And a good process to manage your properties, cash flows and financial situations as well and, and take phone calls from tenants. So make sure that you really treat it with respect when you go into real estate investing. Don't just treat it like a hobby. Make your money when you buy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And if you if you buy wrong, there's not much you can do to get out of that situation. You know, yeah. if you, you overpay, it's too late. You know what I mean? I mean, there are little things you can do that, that maybe will help but they were all things you were going to do anyways, right? Like you're already going to try to reduce expenses. You're all going to try to increase income. So if you just bought bad, you know, I think another thing that might be underrated is hold time. You know, I think over the last few years, a lot of people have been trying to like send IRR through the roof by selling really quickly. And I think there's a lot to be said in real estate for de-risking by holding longer. You know what I mean? And just embracing that Real estate tends to appreciate. And I feel like it's one of the ways that people don't diversify. A lot of, I think, limited partners want fast turnaround. And a great way to diversify is in in hold period. And you don't really find people who say, man, I really regret holding this piece of cash flowing real estate for so long. My suggestion would be for individuals to start early on in their capital raising. Even if you don't have a transaction right now, if you've never bought one real estate investment, just start networking with individuals, create your story about what you're planning to do and share that with people so that they can see your path to success. In corporate America, I think I was very good always about just meeting new people, connecting with them, following up with them, um, trying to meet with them live, you know, any opportunity I had. 
that network of individuals that you meet now today will have endless value using other people's money with your investments in the future. You're always going to have a need for, for other people's money at some point in the future if you're going to grow your real estate business. So start early, go to networking events, be out there and, and share your story. Don't be shy about talking about your plans to invest. What are you investing in? That would be you know, my biggest recommendation is start now. People say, hey, I want to invest in real estate. The first thing I say is how much money do you want to make? Because ultimately I find that it's difficult to, it's, or people have had difficulty quantifying what success looks like. So in business, we call them key performance indicators, KPIs. And I find that that's the first place to start. What are your KPIs? What is your time horizon? You know, in real estate, there's, it's like a flavorful, you know, melting pot. You could be a wholesaler, you could be a syndicator, you could be a residential. And I find that you don't want to be pushed and pulled in all types of directions when you're going to meetups and investment clubs, et cetera. So it's really about just reverse engineering. Where are you going? How do we want to get there? And then how do we quantify it strategically? And then from there, we typically advocate, I call it a business plan, but really it's an investment strategy or an investment thesis. No different than a business plan, you know, strengths and weaknesses analysis, threats, opportunities, all of those frameworks are a way to, you don't have to necessarily be rigid, but at least it's a, it's a playbook. It's a North star. It's help, helping you know that you're, you're headed in the right direction. And I, it's kind of a funny start. I had an apartment in Philadelphia. I just finished grad school, getting my architecture degree. And I was dating my then wife at the time and sometimes would you know, spend a weekend at her place. And I realized that I had a really nice apartment that I wasn't being used by anybody. So I kind of experimented with Airbnb it. And it was a pretty eye-opening experience, actually, because um, I was able to generate much more than the, uh, I was able to generate enough income to cover the rent and then some. And that was kind of the first time I was like, oh, wow, this like wasn't particularly hard to do. And is generating like real income that's kind of changing my life for the better. And so that was like my first taste, even though that was like, uh, I didn't even buy the building. It was basically just arbitrage, right? I was renting an apartment then renting it again. Um, but it was sort of my first taste. And I, I knew from there that there was something to it. But Younger in my career, I always wanted to be a developer. I always wanted to be a builder. However, back in 2015, 16, I guess, mid-career, mid-decade, we realized that there was such an abundance of vacant units from the great financial recession of 2008, 2009, that initially I said to myself, John, it doesn't really make sense to build from the ground up. And I figured if you want to cut your teeth in real estate, you should go where your skills are necessary. And as I mentioned, being a New Yorker, young in real estate is 45, 55 before you get to begin in New York. And I said, oh my gosh, why would I build new when in Michigan and in Ohio, there's a plethora of opportunity. So as we began to scale and grow, we recognized that, you know, central Ohio was beginning to boom and there was a, a need for our, our value add skills in Detroit. And that brought us to Detroit nearly five years ago. So my advice would be ready, fire, shoot. I spent a lot of time studying real estate, listening to podcasts, reading books, talking to people, probably way too long educating myself and not really going after transactions. And then there are some transactions where I moved a little too slowly on them because I was nervous for some reason uh, that maybe in retrospect was not that big of a reason to lose the deal. 
And I look back on some of those deals and really kick myself for not acquiring them. So, so really just going after a transaction and, and with kind of full throttle, right? There are deals that don't make sense and, and you, you can certainly make those decisions along the way, but if it looks great, go, go get it. My younger self needed a lot of advice. Um, <laughs> I would probably really encourage him to be more entrepreneurial sooner because you don't realize like in your 20s, you can just try and fail a, a bunch of times and it's okay. You know what I mean? Like it would have been fine. Everything's going to be fine. You know, you don't die <laughs> if you screw something up um, and you you will have more cracks at it. There's all these sayings that are really discouraging, like 90% of businesses fail and things like that. And when you start getting into the entrepreneurial world and meeting more people, you realize that all of them have tried businesses multiple times and they just keep trying until they're successful. So 90% failure rate doesn't mean that 90% of entrepreneurs are failures. It just means that their first business didn't work out. They pivoted, they tried something different, kind of learned a few lessons there. And then maybe on the third one, boom, they figure it out, right? Um, 